in academia, writing is the currency of the trade, the coin of the realm. You have to create scholarship. In academic medicine, especially, it's all about inquiry and discovery and cure and treatment and prevention and dissemination. So we have to write. Welcome to a very special podcast. I'm here with Dr. Kimberly Skorupski, founder and creator of Wag Your Work. When you and I sat down, we were just having coffee, talking. I'm a writer as well. We're friends. And you were telling me about Wags, just completely organically. And you were telling me about how you want to get the word out more about it because you really believe in it. You really believe in what you've seen with these writing groups and, and the life hacks or the myth busting about writing that goes on that, that you see light bulb moments with people who take it. Things seem to click with WAGs. When I asked you what was your passion and why you wanted to get the word out more, you said your goal was really to improve the writing um, of people in the academic medicine community. This was something that you felt was really important because why? In the very beginning, I thought this is such a simple concept, you know, getting four to eight people together for one hour a week for 10 weeks. I thought, well, this is so simple. You know, what's a big deal? And I didn't really appreciate the value of it until, again, I literally started getting emails from people and seeing people in the hallway and getting people contacting me from other institutions because their friends and colleagues and family members told them about WAGs. And it started spreading and people would just gush when they'd see me and when they'd send emails to me, oh my gosh, Kim, you've changed my life. This is amazing. I feel so confident. I'm set, I'm set up now to be the most productive I've ever been. And, and then that's when it clicked with me, like, wow, this is a thing. And that this is really working. And so I guess I was minimizing or not giving this process, WAGs, enough uh, credit for actually changing people's writing habits. And it's so important to me because as a dean in faculty development and been doing academic affairs and faculty development, I just feel like it's getting more and more difficult for faculty members. And it just really tugs at my heartstrings when I see junior faculty members struggling and just behind the eight ball every day and having this sense of anguish and anxiety and burnout. And I just, when I saw that this was a tool that worked and that was changing people's lives, you know, you can't help but say, listen, you know, listen to me, listen to me, this works. Um, I know nobody has time for one more meeting or clicking one more link to do one more thing, but this is one meeting, one hour a week for 10 weeks where it will change your life because it gives you the confidence to get control over this beast of writing in academia. Writing is the currency of the trade, the coin of the realm. You have to create scholarship. In academic medicine, especially, it's all about inquiry and discovery and cure and treatment and prevention and dissemination. So we have to write. And when I saw that this worked and this was changing people's lives, I can't help but beat this drum and say, give it a shot. Um, if you do it, you work the system, the system will work for you. How did this whole WAGS program start? I got started with WAGS when I was back in Chicago at Rush University Medical Center. I was running a research mentoring program, and one of the mentees in the program, Dr. Karma Fouché, came to me and she was bemoaning the fact that she didn't feel like she was publishing enough or in the best journals, and she was wondering how to increase her scholarly productivity. So I'm a gerontologist by training and didn't really know much about the scholarly writing literature, and I set her off and said, go check it out. What are some tools? What are some ways we can maybe help other mentees, as well as yourself, increasing your writing productivity? 
So she came back with some research and said, hey, let's try these writing groups. So we piloted them there at Rush. And a couple years later, landed here at Hopkins. And that's where I implemented them here, gave them a name, the WAG name, and I took off from there. So take me back from the beginning. How long ago was this set? So that was about... 2011. Okay. And that was kind of it. That was kind of it in its infancy stages. Yeah. And what did it look like back then? So back then it was similar. It was just a bunch of small, a small group of faculty members getting together once a week to write. And Karma really put some structure around this idea of taking an hour block and separating into 15 minutes of goal setting and talking about goals and barriers and gaps around writing and then a 30 minute timed communal writing session. And then a wrap-up of 15 minutes of, all right, how did everybody do? And what are you going to do in the interim till we meet next week? How did it kind of evolve into what it is today here at Johns Hopkins? Yeah, so I, I got the job at Hopkins in 2013. And that fall, my mentor said, you know, you need to bring WAGs here. And I said, oh, come on, this is Hopkins. They don't need WAGs. And um, because I talked about WAGs during my interview and how successful they were as a tool to help faculty members increase writing productivity. And so I actually, the first WAG, I had Dr. Fouché Skype in and she talked about what we had done in the research mentoring program there. And then we quickly realized that, you know, I needed to start being the one who facilitated these. So I picked up my game and uh, did some research and more reading and just started spreading the word and ended up kind of evolving them from there. How did you know it was successful? So at Rush, when we started it, we we knew they were successful because there was just a lot of enthusiasm around them. We had, you know, the, the scenario is in academia is that faculty members are incredibly stressed these days. Grant funding is hard to come by. If you're seeing patients, the incredible pressure to generate revenue and get those RVUs up and charting in Epic and building programs and teaching courses and teaching students, all those factors really weigh heavily on faculty members. So I could see that this was something that worked, that faculty members not only were able to see that they were achieving uh, greater writing um, productivity and getting into a really good habit, but the unanticipated benefit was also building this sense of community. Because in academia, it's really isolating and it can, it's so stressful that taking some time out once a week to generate some actual, actual work so you can see some outcomes from it, but then build that community of friends is really important to generating and confidence and feeling control over your own career. Why do you think the writing groups are so successful? Is it just the peer to peer element or does it go beyond that? And it goes more into some of the skills that you teach, some of the life hacks, I'll use Mm -hmm. that word, on how to get yourself writing. What is it that makes it successful? Yeah, that's a good question. So there's a lot of literature around small groups, you know, the psychology of small groups. That's why lots of interventions, you know, Weight Watchers and Alcoholics Anonymous and Fit Clubs and um, those kinds of concepts work because that you're building that community. But I think a couple things happen is one, um, I kick off every wag. Every writing accountability group, I go to the first one. It's They are pair-facilitated, as you've talked about it. So I'd set folks off. They have to find their own people, the 48 people. They have to find the one time a week that works for everybody. They find a place. And once they got all those, you know, ducks in a row, they reach out to me. And then I go and do the one, the first day orientation. 
And at that first day orientation, I go through these myths and barriers, the common myths and barriers of writing. And people like Paul Sylvia and has his book, How to Write a Lot and Write It Up, great resources. He talks about this, as have others. But what I see happening at that first day is a lot of light bulbs going off. And I can see visibly this kind of um, an exhale amongst the, the WAG participants when they see me, when we start talking about these common writing myths and barriers, they kind of have this sense of, oh, I'm not alone. It's not just me. I mean, there's so much anxiety and emotion around writing. And especially in academia, like I said, because it's so stressed, people just beat themselves up every day when they go home. I just said another day that I didn't write that paper. I didn't write that grant. I didn't finish that book. And they just really, really end up hating themselves. And I, so at that first day, I see the people saying, oh my gosh, you're like speaking directly into my soul. I tell you, there's never a wag where at the end of it, people don't feel like, I feel like you've been looking into the window of my life. This is exactly what I feel. So a lot of that common sense of sharing, like me too, me too, me too. And so I think that's what helps them be successful is first is this recognition that you're not alone. And then we talk about, as you mentioned, these life hacks and and tips around getting over these hurdles. Then there's this, of course, naturally occurring organic process of everybody sharing with each other how they deal with these common barriers. And then over time, a 10-week period of a wag, you not only feel you can't help it. If you're coming once a week, you're making some productivity, you're making gains, and you're getting that habit done. But you're also learning from each other in that kind of reassuring model and that reinforcing model of this is doable, this is achievable. So I think those kind of are some reasons why they're so successful. We talk about how you try to build the writing habit in people almost like, you know, you go to the gym one hour a week or what a half hour a week, just maybe, you know, at first, maybe you just go to the gym for 15 minutes a week. And then, you know, you build up to maybe a half hour a week. And then it's an hour a week. So it's kind of that slow habit building process. Is that is there something about WAGs that's similar to like how you would train to be an athlete or something? Yeah, that's another a really good point that so there are a couple different think about people. Some people might be listening to this and saying, well, this is ridiculous. You know, um, I'm an epidemiologist or I'm in public health or I'm in social sciences and I already write an hour or two hours a day. I have a good writing habit. Well, God bless you. Godspeed. That's great. And what you might also achieve through a wag is this not only a newfound sense of community and collaboration, but you might find some uh, ways to tweak your own system and to improve your own process. But yeah, so some people, when they want to establish a new habit, it's like little pieces, little bites just to get into the rhythm. So you're right, going to the gym and just getting your foot in the door of the gym and feeling your body warming up, feeling the muscles loosen up and getting that little endorphin high for a little bit will go along a longer way than going to the gym once for five or six hours. And I talk about in the WAGs, that's called binge writing, specifically unplanned binge writing. We talk about how that's something one does not want to engage in. And in academic medicine, unfortunately, ends up that faculty members, they're on service for months at a time or several weeks, and then they only have a little sliver of time or say a smaller chunk of time, and they write like crazy in this unplanned binging. But the problem with that is that you can't sustain a binge. Binges are unsustainable. So then you beat yourself up again because then it's months before you get back. So I do use a lot of metaphors around fitness and exercise that you you wouldn't train for a marathon uh, running one day for eight hours and then train three months later. 
you'd try to build up to that in a systematic fashion. And that's the same thing with WAGs is we talk about the importance of writing with increased frequency, greater regularity, but for shorter durations, because that is sustainable. So if you work out more regularly every day, but for 10 minutes a day, you could do that for the rest of your life. And that's the same way with writing. If you write every day or almost every day for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, you could do that for the rest of your life. You probably can't write every day for four hours for the rest of your life. Did you have a point in your career, you know, maybe this feeds into why you're, you feel so passionate about WAGs. Was there a point in your career where you realized your writing habit wasn't there and then you took some of these these pointers about writing into consideration and you changed? That's exactly what happened with me. So I'm an academic and I've been an academic my whole career. So a large part of my career has been about writing grants and writing papers. And before I was in academic affairs and faculty development, that was 100% of my job. I was on soft money. And so I had to uh, working on grants and papers. So I did spend the majority of my day writing. And then when I transitioned into academic affairs, most of my day is spent meeting with faculty members and committee work and answering emails. And so I definitely saw that my scholarly productivity was falling by the wayside. And then what I would do is make the classic mistake that I now urge waggers not to make is I would say, on Friday afternoons in my Outlook calendar, I'd say, Kim's writing afternoon. And that might look good because I blocked off the afternoon and said Kim's writing afternoon. Yeah. But the thing is, is that, of course, when Friday afternoon would roll around, I'm still, you know, trucking through 150 emails. I'm still finding all kinds of things to do because there are plenty to do that we can always find excuses, all of us, to do something else. And I just wasn't getting it done. Yeah. But every Friday afternoon, I had that little chunk of time, my writing time. So what I did was took my own advice and a couple, three, four years ago, I started doing exactly what I tell the waggers to do. And I'm very specific and have discrete jobs to do during that writing time. So I'll break down into, say, 20-minute increments, draft abstract from 12 to 12.20, from 12.20 20 to 12.40, copy means and standard deviations from the output to table two. 12.40 to 1 o'clock, uh, read through the new e-alert table of contents, look for more literature. And I will break down my yeah. writing into that kind of chunk. And then the good thing is that if something interrupts me or I get distracted, now that chunk of time doesn't just fall away and I forget about it or I have to remember it. I just chunk, I take that co that uh, period of time and I move it to the next Friday mm -hmm. afternoon and put it and allocate it some time. Yeah. So that's the one thing that just changed my life and has really amped up my own personal writing productivity as a dean is by piecemealing my my work assignments for myself, yeah. just like I tell Waggers. Yeah. And just from some background on me, I'm really good friends with Kim. We know each other through actually going to the gym. And I feel that it's just, it's like going to the gym. You have to like get your blood flowing somehow. So you maybe do some jumping jacks, you skip some rope, whatever it is, some light cardio just to get your, you know, blood flow going and your heart rate going. So then you can actually do your full strenuous, um, you know, gym routine, whether that's weightlifting or whatever. But for me, with writing, it's like to do that, I, I have a novel I've been working on for like the last six years. And it's just something I, you know, open from time to time to work on. And it's sometimes it's like really hard to get back into that writing mode. And I've noticed what I, what a, what a strategy I use is I'll just start like copy editing it. 
I'll just be like, hey, I could have worded that better. I'll start rereading it. Yeah. And then next thing you know, it's like my warm up. I'm back yeah, in at yeah, full yeah. speed and I'm writing the novel at like the best level I can. Yeah. I love that example of the warm up. That's so important that people, if it's important to you and if it's time, you create rituals and symbols and like putting on your writing hat or literally getting the cup of tea or the cup of coffee, putting on whatever music or sitting in a certain chair, whatever it is that you need. If you have any tchotchkes that get you in that space, that's your warm up. I love that. And I also reassure waggers that if you subscribe to the wag policies and, and theory that you're writing more regularly and more frequently, you'll need less of a warm up or less of a uh, you know, an entree because you're doing it so regularly that you're, um, you don't need to remind yourself, but that muscle memory of the wag itself is one important part of getting you into this habit because every week you're going to meet your friends at the same place, same time for 10 weeks. And it's that first 15 minutes you, you all recap where you've been, what did you do? What are you going to do today? You all write for 30 minutes or do any writing activity. And then the last 15 minutes you wrap up. And move on. But even that is kind of like the warm up. That first 15 minutes is getting you into that place of, all right, it reminds your brain and our brain, you know, sets these pathways and says, Oh, I know where we are. This is familiar, familiar to me. And you get ready. Just like you're saying at the gym, the, the body and the heart says, Oh, I know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We're getting some oxygen throughout our body and we're getting ready to do something serious. The same way waggers, you get into a habit, you get into a routine and it becomes a uh, mechanical automaticity helps us to not emotionally get worked up about things and be anxious about things. Talk about, we call it expanding your definition of writing. So, you know, again, the goal of a WAG is to establish a sustainable writing habit, getting into a habit of writing. And so one of the things I talk about is if you expand your definition of writing and don't think about writing as just words, 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 sentences, sentences, paragraph, paragraph, page and page after page of text. If you expand your definition of writing to think of it as any of the activities that go into the final product, putting that extra line on your CV, an extra line on your bio sketch involves a lot more than just text. It's that um, designing a study, collecting data, coding it, analyzing it, tables, figures, charts, graphs, letters to the editor, letters to the reviewer, references, all that stuff, unless you have, you know, people, most of us don't have, you know, groups of people who do stuff for us. We have to do all those things. So if you increase the definition of writing to include all of those activities, now you can reframe your writing periods of every day. Now, if you think, well, in 10 minutes, that's all I've got in between OR, you know, changeovers. Who can write in 10 minutes? Well, you don't maybe not traditionally write in terms of text, but as you talked about this kind of warm up, maybe in 10 minutes, I can copy some odds, ratios, and significance. And I could read through some literature. I can do some other things in a 10 minute increment. Mm-hmm. So expanding your definition of writing is a key concept to WAGS because it helps you to reframe what can be achieved yeah. in smaller chunks of time. This one anecdote always enters my mind when I think of when I hear about WAGs and it's um, I don't know where I read it, but they one time were saying to to get yourself in the habit of flossing your teeth. Because, I mean, let's be honest, like how many times have you just wanted to not floss your teeth? You just are tired, want to go to bed and just – but flossing your teeth, as like any dent, good dentist will tell you, you know, do it you know, every time you brush. So they say like to get in the habit of flossing your teeth, you should just at least – if you want to do it, floss one tooth a day. And then it's just like the next day, maybe you're still just one tooth a day. 
but eventually it's going to be two teeth a day. Then it's going to be three, yeah. you know, and it's yeah. just like, it just gets you in the, your, your body mm-hmm. and your muscle memory just gets in the mode. You're right. Of this is what I do. And then, you know, is that, yeah. is there well, back in the day, there was an old commercial for Dunkin' Donuts. It was the little Dunkin' Donuts dude who'd, they'd show him at, oh, dark 30 in the morning, shuffling through his house going, time to make the donuts, time to make yeah, the donuts. Yeah. He didn't think about it. He didn't say, oh, am I going to make the donuts today? Yeah. Maybe I'll make one. I don't know if I really yeah. don't want it. He didn't think about it. He's like, time to make the donuts. So yeah, it's time to floss my teeth. That's what I do. Similarly, what does my calendar say I'm doing? It's time for me to uh, write. And what am I doing exactly? Oh, that's right. And you do it. You don't think about it. You don't hem and haw about it. Wonder, "Ah, I'm not really in that mood or that kind of space and the muse isn't with me. Yeah, it just becomes just a habit. That's what I do. You check in, you check out. You start on time, you stop on time, and you don't think about it. It just becomes part of your daily ritual. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. The mission of the Faculty Factory is to build and support a community of leaders in faculty development who share tools, resources, wisdom, and encouragement in service to our faculty members, schools, and institutions. We encourage you to go to facultyfactory.org to find out more, get in touch with me, ask me any questions. Maybe you want to be interviewed on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. We'll see you next time. The Faculty Factory podcast and website is sponsored by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine Office of Faculty. For more information, visit facultyfactory.org.